0: Good morning, good morning, everybody. Lots of buzz and chatter going on this morning. Y'all connecting with each other. Uh, We are going to get started with our service. So um, this morning, we just want to encourage you to, um, we love that um, the Lord has, this morning, dear, when we were praying, that the Lord has a banner over us. And his banner over us is love. If you feel like there's any other banner from the lord over you this morning we just want to remove that so we want to remove that off of you because his banner for you is love so whether it's been a hard season you know it's been a difficult season there's discouragement if you feel condemned because you feel like i just don't measure up i didn't get it right this week can we just take that off of you this morning and just declare over your life that he is the banner of love over you and so We're just glad you're joining us this morning. If you would, stand with me. And our heart this morning is that we celebrate and we praise the one who is worthy. And so we're going to worship him this morning. We're going to create space for him. We're going to make room for the King of Kings to come and dwell among us. The Holy Spirit came in through the doors when you walked in from the doors this morning because you brought him in with you. And so, But we know that when we all come together, that he wants to move among us. He's already in us, but he wants to move among us and share his heart with us. So will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great love that you have for us. Lord, thank you for your kindness. Lord, you are the kindest person that we've ever known. It is your kindness that has caused us to think a new way about who you are Lord thank you this morning that we've gathered to make Jesus great to lift him up he is a prize to be found Lord and Lord our hearts and our affections are turned towards you this morning Holy Spirit come and move among us Lord love on the bride this morning love on your bride Lord because she's beautiful and you love her Lord We worship you and we thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together and open up our hearts to love on him. Amen. prayer time earlier before service started, Um, one of the words that came was just focus and um, you know when you think about like if you're in battle or if it's a war and um, a war horse specifically, there's a prophetic word over us of being a majestic war horse in our city and in this region and a war horse has such tremendous focus It's like it's not going to veer left and right. It's just an incredible focus. And this morning, there's such a sense of, I would guess that every person who walked through this door this morning has some kind of a need, whether it be a need for peace, a need for joy, a need for provision, a need for belonging, that there's a need. But I love what the Lord says. He says, I know your need before you even ask. But as a son and a daughter in relationship, there's the vulnerability to actually share your heart with the Lord, with who he is for you. So this morning, the focus, I'm going to encourage you to shift your focus of what your need is this morning and put that focus on who he is for you. And his great love for you because that's the banner over you as a son and a daughter. So we're going to continue in this song that all we really need is him. If we could just see him in the middle of what the circumstance is or what the need is, it causes a paradigm shift in who we are and how we're thinking and what we're thinking about. Because he is good. He is perfect. His thoughts towards us are good. They outnumber the sand on the shore of the sea. And so this morning, we're going to continue in the song of his great love for us. That all I need is you. My heart is fixed on you. My eyes are fixed on you. And that kind of focus brings a fruit in its outward working in the circumstances of our lives. Amen.
1: a house of worship, this is a place of praise, where every demon trembles, where we proclaim
0: We're going to continue in this, but there is a thread this morning of the Lord's faithfulness. And um, He is the God of miracles. We live in a place of miracles because He is the miracle-working God. And in this building, if you need a miracle right now, I want you to raise your hand. If you need a miracle this morning, I want you to raise your hand, and I want you to keep it up. And what we're going to do as the body, we're going to come around them, and we are going to pray for people who need a miracle. Amen. We're going to stay on this song, you guys. It is a house of miracles. It is a house of miracles. If you will, gather around people who have their hands up, and let's pray for them. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. You are the God of miracles, Lord. And in impossible situations, God, you are the one who breaks through with might and power. God, we come against every sickness and disease and we break its power right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every sickness and every disease, bow to the name of Jesus. Every autoimmune disease, bow in the name of Jesus. Every cancer, bow in the name of Jesus. Lord, we break sickness and disease off of your people in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. The power of sickness and disease was broken on the cross in Jesus' body being broken. We release healing. Lord, we release provision of your people, Lord. We release provision to your people in the mighty name of Jesus. You are the God who provides. You always have been a God of provision and you always will be a God of provision. In the mighty name of Jesus, we break off lack. We break off poverty in the name of Jesus. And we release provision over your people in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus, you are the healing in the places that need balm and that need salve and that need healing ointment, Lord, on the brokenness and the wounds, Lord, of the past, Lord. You are the one who heals us emotionally. You have wholeness for us. You have called us to walk in wholeness, Jesus, not in brokenness, not in wounds. Lord, we release wholeness emotionally over your people, over minds this morning, Lord Jesus.
2: If you're praying for somebody, would you just continue to do that? But I just want to share a scripture that someone had for us this morning. It's in Joel 217. It says, Let them say, Spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? And, and I just want to share that part of the, the answer in Joel, the Bible says the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. So God wants to move through His people. What Jesus did in His ministry for three years, He taught His disciples to do the same. Part of that was releasing God's inheritance, His intention towards people. And let me just remind you, not a single time, when Jesus was asked to be asked, to, someone asked him to heal him. Not a single time did Jesus say, you know, God gave you this scripture to teach you or gave you this sickness to teach you something. Not a single time that it happened. Every time that people came to Jesus, the Bible said he healed all among them. One time a man came and said, Lord, if it's your will, would you heal? Would you heal me? He said, it is my will. And he prayed for him and he healed him. So I just want to pray again over us. Let's let's release faith. Lord, we believe you. Part of the challenge that the, the, the modern church has is a is a problem of unbelief. It's simple. I'm not sure, Lord, if you want to heal people uh, and it goes, it runs a spectrum. I don't know if you still heal today. I don't know if you still want to heal. I don't know if you want to heal this person. Lord, I don't know. So let's just assume that God's heart for us is to give us good gifts and not bad gifts. Amen. That God's intention is not to give us sickness. That's not his intention. It came originally from the fall. It was part of the brokenness of the world. And when Jesus came, He came to restore the world to the way it was before, the old Adam and the new Adam. So I want to pray again. And would you join me as you pray for people that we're just going to release faith and trust the Lord for the supernatural. As you minister to them, maybe God gives you a word, it gives you a picture. Minister that to them because oftentimes the Lord will move through the gifts of His Spirit to see people healed and see things happen in the supernatural. So Jesus, we just come again and say, thank you, Lord, that you made healing available to us, Lord, on the cross. Jesus, you were beaten, Lord, and you said, by these stripes, you are healed, Lord. And then Peter talks about it, by these stripes, you were healed, Lord. Your promise is that you would heal, and your promise is that you have healed. Somewhere, Lord, we fit in that. And so, Lord, we just say we receive healing, supernatural healing, Lord, to our bodies, supernatural healing to our minds. Lord, I just speak to psychological issues that doctors have said that there's never a way that you're going to get out of this. It's always going to be with you. Lord, we rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you don't come to slow the merry-go-round down. Lord, you come to get us off of it. So, Lord, we just declare that in Jesus' name right now. Every one of those things that the doctor said, there is no way. We rebuke it. We push back and say, God, you are supernatural, not natural. And with you, there is a way. So we receive that, Lord. Cause our faith to rise, to walk in more power, to walk in more healings, Lord. Signs and wonders that would glorify your your name, Jesus. No longer would your people be a laughing stock, Lord, that we would see your miracles and your signs and wonders. We would demonstrate the kingdom, Lord, by seeing you move and healing and doing good to everyone, Lord. So we just receive your healing. We receive your kindness and your goodness into our lives in Jesus name
0: we're going to worship some more come alive in the name of Jesus this morning come alive in the name of Jesus whatever is lacking come alive in the mighty name of Jesus This is a house of miracles. It is our rightful inheritance, Lord. And we call the things that are not as though they are. We will see miracles in this house. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, you are the God of breakthrough. You are the God of breakthrough. You are the God of the impossibilities, Lord, of the impossible, making them possible. Lord, our eyes this morning, God, we are filled. Fix, Lord, our eyes and our heart are focused on You and who You are, Lord. This morning, Lord, we worship You and we honor You, Lord. Thank You for Your Spirit moving among us, Lord. Thank You that Your love for us is immeasurable, Lord. God, it can't be outrun, it can't be outdone, Lord. It is immeasurable, it is perfect in all of its ways towards us, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we worship you this morning. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. What a wonderful worship time this morning. Um, we're so thankful that you're here with us and that you've joined us and you've chosen to worship with us this morning. If you're new with us, if you're a guest, please go to the connection card um, on our website, stothancf.com. You can... Get all the information. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We'd love to contact you and get to know a little bit about you as well and how your story fits into our story and what the purposes of God are for our lives together. Um, there's multiple ways to give in person, in the box, or online. That's where Majority do. Same thing at Um As you come in and out of our doors, there is a QR code that you can scan that will take you directly to our website that will let you access everything that's going on and how to keep pace with who we are as a local church family. Um, our DCF kids, um, I'm going to give a huge shout-out this morning. Um, if you helped this week with our updating our kids' area, would you please stand? I want to give a uh, uh, all of you. So everyone stand if you helped in the kids' church, you know, for a painting— you know, um, unhanging, unhinging. I have to say that my youngest worker, I'm going to give a huge shout out to him, was Levi. Levi actually screwed the plates back on into the wall, so well done, Wesley, as a dad. Um, so, but um, I just really want to honor Gay and Kristen this morning because they are the ones who kind of <laughs> rung this and kind of put this thing together for us and had a vision for it. So after service this afternoon, um, church family, after families have picked up their kids, if you want to just go and take a look, we would love for you to do that. Um, We're just, we love our kids at DCF. We love our youth, and um, they are the church of today, not the church of tomorrow. And so um, they are a generation that for us as older generations, we get to declare the works of the Lord to every generation. And so um, we love our kids around here. So um, with that... We are going to dismiss our youth. They're going to be going with Woodhams over to the right. Um, Maybe your left, but out that door. And our kids, you're going to be going with Miss Gay Lynn through the double doors at the back. And we'll be right back for our message.
2: All right. Good morning, everybody. So glad you guys are here, especially you new guys. We're glad to see you guys. Uh, In just a second, we're going to have you come up and sing a special I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of the things I hated the most about visiting churches over the years is you'd come in and they always had some kind of program or plan to try to get to know new people. And I love it, but most people, when you, when you come and check out a church, it's kind of like buying a car. You just want to kick the tires a little bit and you see the salesman coming out of the office, right? And you're like, oh God, please don't let him come out here and talk to me." <laughs> so anyway, we just want to say welcome. Glad you guys are here. Hope that you've already been blessed by our worship and the time we've had this morning. Um, I've been in the middle of a series, we've been uh, talking a lot about the things of the Spirit. Um, I'm in a series called Spirit Led. We're doing community groups right now as a church around the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, Our background, Karen and I, we got saved in a Pentecostal charismatic type church. We were overseas in England when that happened, so it's a little bit different than maybe around here. Uh, but we 've been exposed to all kinds of different churches we 've led mostly in non denominational type churches, which oftentimes is interdenominational in other words, just about every label you can stick on a forehead we hung out with them and had great communion connection and Our big thing about the things of the spirit is what a blessing our, our holy Spirit is when he comes into our lives and so we don 't use that kind of as a you know, you know an elitist thing that you know because i 'm you know manifest the gifts of the spirit sometimes sometimes i'm somehow i'm better than you as a christian that 's not how it works, never has been, never will be. but there are tools available to us that sometimes in our teaching in, in the in our background or because we've been exposed to the wrong way or abuse of a certain thing, a gift or the things of the Spirit, that sometimes we, we tend to pull back from it and walk away. And, and I've been around that, and I totally understand. But I want to ask you this morning if you would just kind of lean in a little bit. And, and what we always go back to is we want to drive you back to Scripture and say, what we're teaching you, what we're t- talking about, the experiences that we have, Every single one of these, as, an, as a leadership team, we always come back and go, hey, when we've had encounters or experiences or manifestations or things that someone might consider weird or spooky, we always have conversations around those and say, was that scriptural? Not just was it, is it from scripture where it's available to us today, but also the methodologies. Did it reflect the nature of God? Was it motivated by love and serving others? I mean, just so many different things that we say. What we really go after is we long for a church where we see a mature response to the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know about you, but I've had, I've had some immature responses to the Holy Spirit. I've seen immature responses to the Holy Spirit, and I'd rather have the mature ones. Amen? So uh, I want to jump off and talk today about spirit authority so we've been talking about different kinds of uh aspects of being led by the spirit but spirit authority there's so many books and and movies and you know just all kinds of stuff going on nowadays that talk about like spiritual themes some of it's kind of especially as we get into october is the you know is the halloween type stuff so it's a lot of demonic stuff that's out there and it's like it's creepy anytime that stuff comes on my wife is super sensitive to that she's like would you Mute that, please <laughs> and we go to we go to a movie or something in october, and she 'll just sit there like this with her eyes closed through a lot of the you know a lot of the uh, trailers um, and, and I totally get that, but there 's so much going on because it, if when we see it there 's something. Interesting about it because it, it's bigger, it's unseen, it's influential, but it's not of this realm. That's kind of you know. And is that imaginary or, or is there some truth to that? Um, there's two amazing movies that that I love. One of them you'll probably recognize, The Matrix. Some of you guys have seen that once or twice. Um, I just want to read you the tagline of The Matrix. It says, "When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidding underworld, he discovers the shocking truth: the life he knows is the elaborate deception of an evil evil." cyber intelligence. You are in the matrix right now. I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but in a spiritual context. Um, then there was another one. This one you might not re- recognize because this is an old one, 19, uh, 1988 movie. Um, Rod- Roddy Piper played this. Uh, he, was a, he was a Canadian wrestler, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Anybody remember? Ah, come on. That's all. <laughs> I went and watched him wrestle at Birmingham Boutwell Auditor- Auditorium in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, it was just It was the glory days and anyway. So he he made a movie called They Live. And here's the tagline for this one. They influence our decisions without us knowing it. They numb our senses without us feeling it. They control our lives without us realizing it. They live. That could be like a political commentary right now, couldn't it <laughs> but it's also a spiritual aspect of it in one of the scenes he actually gets these glasses and when he puts the glasses on he sees accurately right he sees all the you know it's like obey and and, and consume and you know and stay asleep and all these words and again it it, it you can recognize just the, the prophetic aspect of it for today's political world, you know, and, and fake news and all this stuff, and we're like, ah, oh, I don't know who I can trust and all this stuff. But there's something, there's something deeper that's going on to this, because all of these are allegories. So these are stories about, about something, it's, it's telling a story about something else, really is what's happening. And so you, you, you see these themes all over, and, and I don't know if you question that sometimes, but I look at culture and I go, where are you guys getting this from? right? So they're pulling it from somewhere, and what you'll find, you'll find a lot of themes come from Scripture, right? They'll come from a biblical understanding or demons or or archangels and all these different things. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today and put it in a biblical perspective so that we can navigate this in a way that's that's helpful and be led by the greatest spirit of them all, obviously the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk about four things, four areas today, and, and we're going to go through them pretty quickly. There's going to be a lot of scripture. I'm not putting them all up here, but um, whatever you see up on the screen, you can download as a PDF if you go to our website. So I want to challenge you to do that. Go and look at these scriptures, study them out a little bit and see, if, especially if you feel any challenges this morning. But four areas of the spiritual world, spirit beings, spirit places, spirit warfare, and lastly, spirit authority. So let me jump off with spirit beings. There's a common thread when you see the word, the word spirit in, the, in your English, you know, in the English translation of the Bible, there's usually two words that, that it's uh, translated from. Hebrew is ruach, and it means spirit, breath, or wind. The Greek would be pneuma, and it means air in motion or breath as something necessary to life. But what's the common thread through all of these is spirit represents something non-physical and normally invisible. Normally (laughs) invisible. They're not always invisible. So unless a spirit being reveals itself, that spirit is never seen. All that is ever seen is what a spirit causes, motivates, inspires, encourages, impels, triggers, stirs, provokes, stimulates, influences, or activates. So just to, again, bring this back to Scripture, you see Jesus explaining the spirit world to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. So he's having a conversation with him about being born again. So he goes after this in uh, John 3, 5. He says, Jesus answered, he's talking to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God And just before you go any further, pause right there. Kingdom means the king's domain. It's a realm. It's a place, if you will. Nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Born of water means a natural birth. Born of the spirit means a supernatural birth, right? Hence, born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. We get that. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. That one we don't always get. Verse 7 says, you should not be surprised at me saying... I find it interesting that he tells this guy, he goes, you've been the teacher of Israel your whole life and you don't know this? Like, come on, Nicodemus. Like, where were you in Sunday school, right? (laughs) Verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And then he explains the spiritual aspect of it. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So something invisible, something otherworldly, something in another realm happens to you. And that's, Jesus is trying to explain it. He said, have you ever seen the wind? And the answer is, no, you haven't. (laughs) You've seen particles of dust in the wind. You've seen the movement of trees or bushes or leaves being blown about, but you've never seen the wind. And you take that as normal right somehow that's normal I always think about what we all think is normal like when someone's pregnant and you know and getting ready to have a baby especially right before they have that baby when I say someone I mean a woman I want to be clear sorry (laughs) couldn't help myself so but when it happens they just act like it's normal like they just walk you're walking around with a human being inside of you like an alien and, and you act like this is normal like that's not normal I mean it is but especially for men, we're like, we don't, we don't understand that, right? We're like, we, we just, we'll just take your word for it, right? And then the crave anyway, I want to get into all that. But the point is, is so many things that we take for granted as normal, really, when you think about them, are a little bit strange to some degree, right? So, so God is spirit. We know this. We've seen this. Jesus is having a conversation about the spirit world. And, and so God is spirit. The Bible says that he's in spirit. But it's interesting God is invisible. This is something you see, Colossians 1.15 calls God the invisible God. So it's one of, one of the ways it describes him. First Timothy 1.17 praises God, saying, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. So seen, he moves, you, you recognize he stirs, he does all these things, but you don't necessarily always see him. Another thing that God is in being a spirit is he's infinite. And so philosophically, God has to be a spirit in order to be infinite. We by our very nature are finite. We have, a, we have a beginning and we have an end in the natural world, right? But nobody just even take that as an example. Nobody believes they're gonna die. Especially if you're a teenager, like you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, right? When you're in your teens and your 20s. But nobody talks about death. Everybody assumes it's gonna happen, but but nobody really believes it's gonna happen. If they did, they would take it far more seriously, right? The only time you find people taking it seriously often is when when they're at a funeral because it's a reminder that this is going to happen to me. But what we do is we just put it in the back of our mind and we don't think about it. So another thing God is is omnipresent or uh, omniscient. Um, if If God was limited to a physical body, he couldn't be in all places at all times omnipresent or knowing all things omniscient. He couldn't do that if he was limited, which is very interesting because when Jesus comes on the scene, one of the things he talks about is laying down some of the aspects of his Godhead and following God and and moving in the Holy Spirit as a mature believer would. In other words, what, what is a man fully submitted to the Father in perfect relationship with him? What does it look like for him to live on the planet? And Jesus is that example. Hebrews goes after this in big ways. He's like, you've heard uh, God described by the prophets. You've heard about the angels. All these things are true. But God showed himself the most when he showed himself in his son. When Jesus came and he was God on earth, but he limited himself to a physical form. He wasn't healing people. There was a couple of times where we'd heal people at a distance, right? He would minister to somebody uh, geographically was further away, but he wasn't in more than one place at one time. And so when he said, I have to go away, I need to go away, it's good for you if I go away. Why? Because I'm going to send my spirit. And when I do, he's going to live inside of you. And then Jesus is going to be everywhere you are. That, that's, that could totally be like an insurance Advertising right Jesus is everywhere you are so here's the whole thing if you understand that concept, then you look at Jesus and you have to recognize that you, you see the Father through the old Old Testament you see him represented in such a beautiful way Holy Spirit's there too Jesus is there if you know how to look for him in in certain areas but there's a time a dispensation where Jesus comes and he lives for three three and a half years and he shows himself to be the submitted son to the Father and raises up disciples a disciple. Uh, just it just means learner rabbi which is what they called him just meant teacher and so he was teaching them how to be a fully submitted son to the father and so we can learn a lot from that so here's the challenge though Um, there's a danger called uh, anthropomorphism And and it's a challenge because what we do is we tend to I do this with my dogs all the time I act like they're human they're totally not human like I'm pretty sure if I died they would eat me well my dogs wouldn't, but I think Alan and Diane's cats would eat them and just not even think twice about it. They're like, oh, thank you for providing sustenance because cats are evil. I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't say that. But, but I, we tend to make things like animals or anything look like us because it helps us understand. It helps us relate to them. And we do this with God. Um, the, part of the reason is Bi- the Bible actually does this as well. So it mentions his eyes in 2 Chronicles, God's mouth. Uh, in Matthew, arm and hand in Psalm 89, in his ear in Isaiah 59, one place it says, I'll hide you beneath my wings. And so is God a chicken? Probably not, right? But it's anthropomorphism. And so we just, we we take these aspects and we make God like us so we can understand him. There's an inherent danger in this though, in that when we do this, it can very quickly move into idolatry. In other words, instead of us becoming like God, we make God to become like us. And you see this in scripture so many places. Romans 1.22, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and forfeited animals and crawling creatures. Idolatry. Another place, Romans 1.25, just a uh, next verse up, a couple verses up. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So it's an easy thing to do. And there's a again, there's a danger for us to make God like us rather than us becoming like God, right? So and remember God's a spirit that's gonna come in handy here in just a second. But look at Psalm 5021. These things you've done, and I kept silent. This is God talking to Israel. He says, You thought that I was altogether like you but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. So he's saying, you thought because I, didn't do, I did something a certain way that I was like you. you, you translated that into God's just like me. And he says, I am altogether not like you. Very important in our relationship with God. Psalm 100 uh, kind of teases that out a little bit more. Verse 3, it says, know that the Lord, he is God. Like, I think duh should be in the Bible. Like, it should just be, you know... After scriptures like this, duh, of course he's God, right? But listen to what it says. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. <laughs> that answers all the problems with evolution right there, right? Like doesn't describe the methodology, but it does say you did not make yourself. You weren't formed. You didn't, you didn't just accidentally occur you were created by God on purpose. And it goes on, it says, uh, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And in other words, we belong to the one who created us, right? Um, but he talks about how, you know, the fall and the Bible says, all we like sheep. In other words, we're the sheep of his pasture, but some of those sheep, well, all of those sheep ultimately have wandered away. And then Jesus comes and seeks and saves the lost and he draws his sheep back. I mean, you see, you see this, the allegories over and over and over again. There are other spirit beings besides God, of course. Um, Archangels is a very interesting one. It's kind of the top of the hierarchy, if you will, of of, uh, spirit beings. Uh, It literally translates from the Greek, chief angel or chief messenger. Angel is just another word for messenger. So these angels seem to be at the top of the angelic hierarchy. But they were messengers. And you see certain angels are given, like there are certain angels given to the nation of Israel. And there's a really interesting past, uh, uh, pa, uh, uh, place in Scripture, I'm trying to think, Daniel talks about, I'm going to get into it in just a second, about an, a prince of a nation of Persia, right? So there are angels, and then there are also demons and, and fallen angels, and they have, they have movement and they have authority in realms that are, are hard to explain sometimes. So here's an example of demons. You see this throughout the, the New Testament. Uh, Jesus, was, it was a big understanding that Jesus had authority over the demonic, over demons. And you see this, in Luke 4, he says, Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching because his word was with authority. That's going to come into play in just a second, that word authority. Verse 33, Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. Like, how do you know? How do you know if someone has a, a spirit, right? An unclean demon in their life. Well, sometimes it's obvious because of the fruit of their life, right? You know it's moved by something evil. But sometimes you, Jesus talks about this, and this is what happens next. He says, and he cried out with a loud voice when he made con-. This is interesting. When he made contact with Jesus, there was a conflict of kingdoms that occurred. Has that ever happened to you? We had a friend. I was with a friend down in, in a, a, doing a mission work in um, San Jose in Costa Rica. We were walking down the street with a, with a super prophetic guy. His name was Mitch. He was such an amazing guy. We're walking down the road, and we're just chatting. He was just really easygoing kind of guy. And when he ministered prophetically, it was powerfully. There was such an authority in his life. But we're just walking down, chatting, walking down the street. And there's this guy coming from across. He's on the other side of the street walking down. And, you know, again, everybody speaks Spanish, right? Um, Some people speak English. And he yells out in English. He said, uh, Mitch, and called his last name. And Mitch, like, so I leaned over and I said, does he know you? He goes, He does but not naturally. And then he started staring at him. And then Mitch walked over towards him and just said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And the guy freaked out, manifested this weird thing, and then took off running. I was like, I ain't telling that story when I get back home, right? <laughs> ain't nobody going to believe me anyway, right? So this, this demon meets Jesus, and it says, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So isn't it interesting, this this demon from another realm, from the spiritual world, recognizes Jesus because Jesus is also from that spiritual realm, right? He recognizes his authority. He looks at him and he says, man, we're in trouble. Another version says, did you come to torment us before the time? Like they all know there's a time coming. So they're working hard in the meantime to try to do as much damage as they could, but they know Jesus and they know what's going on. So anyway, we see this in so many different places, but then Jesus turns around and he gives the authority that he has to his disciples. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you authority, right? It's delegated. I give you authority. It's not your authority. It's not your authority. You don't have power over demons because you've lived a good life, because you don't have sin in your life. That's not why you have it. You have power over demons because Jesus has given you authority. Now, there are ways to lose some of that authority. And we'll talk about that later. But you just need to understand it's not because of your perfection, because if it were, none of us win. No, no human being is ever going to have power over demons if we, if we try to understand it without grace. So Jesus gave this authority to us because he received it. He said, I received this authority from my father and I freely give it to you. So right now, Ephesians 2 says that uh, we're seated there with him in in the heavenly places. It says this, and raised us up with him, Jesus, and seated, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there's something about you and I That when you become a believer and you receive Christ, you get a new heart, you get a new nature, your spirit comes alive, and all of a sudden, now you are connected. You are living in the spirit realm and the natural realm. But if you aren't careful, what will happen is you will think that you are a natural person and and you won't understand that there's a spiritual realm. And And if you... If you become a believer and then start reading some of these scriptures, you, it, you struggle with, what does that mean in how I live my life today? And that's what we're talking about. So Jesus also talks about in Colossians that he is the head of the body, the church. So what's his is ours. Like, like my body so far has never gone anywhere without my head. It turns out sometimes my, my body wants to go places and leave my head behind. But my head is like, we're not going to do that. I'm in charge, and, and the body's going to do, like, that's called self-discipline. It's the of the Spirit, right? <laughs> but the challenge is, Jesus is the head of the body, and so he wants to move the body. He wants to lead the body. He wants to use the hands and the feet. That's kind of his, his desire. So what about other spirit beings? Um, this is really interesting. I brought this up a second ago in 1 Samuel 28, about... Um, <clears throat> Uh, or Daniel, and then First Samuel, it kind of connects this to the spirit world as, as well. Um, this, is a, this is the story of Saul going out, Saul the king... He goes out. He's, there's a battle coming. Everything's frightening. He thinks he's going to lose. He needs advice. He's ignored Samuel the prophet all, the whole time. Samuel keeps coming to him, trying to bring him back to God. He keeps refusing, wanting to do things his own way. He comes in. He dresses up um, so that people, that someone can't recognize him. He goes to this witch of Endor. This sounds like a, a book or like you know Harry Potter series, right? But he goes to this witch, and and she is a necromancer. She she has relationship with demonic spirits and potentially spirits of the dead, right? So he goes to her and he wants to see someone. So he asks her to call this person up, but he kind of keeps it a secret. He doesn't tell her who he is. And so she calls out expecting what the Bible calls a familiar spirit. In other words, a spirit that she was familiar with, that she connected to on a regular basis. And lo and behold, um, the prophet Samuel shows up. So it wasn't who she was expecting who came to the door, right? And when, when he shows up, she freaks out because, again, Samuel had authority from the kingdom of heaven. And, and so then she recognizes, if that's Samuel, I know who this guy dressed up is, that's Saul. And she, again, go read it. It's a phenomenal story. It's 1 Samuel 28, 7 through 20. And, and, and she freaks out, and she's looking at him. And, and then Samuel has a conversation with Saul, and he rebukes him and pronounces judgment on him. And what's fascinating to me is the whole time Samuel was alive, Saul didn't want to talk to him. But the moment Samuel dies, and then all of a sudden he's in need, and he can't find something to help him from any of the natural realm, he's like, I'll go call on the prophet because that guy's so powerful, he probably can come back from the dead and talk to me, which he did. So here's here's something that's interesting about that. Um, God allowed that. He allowed. He he did. It wasn't the fact that this necromancer called him up. God can use anything He wants, including people who are not serving Him. We see that with the kings in the Old Testament. But here's what you need to understand about this: that God condemns necromancy, channeling, and any work of mediums. Trying to connect to the dead or the spiritual realm without God is an inherent danger. It's inherent. In other words, you are gonna to connect to a spiritual realm that has more authority than you. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, if you're a believer and a Christian, you're not gonna do that anyway. But if you try to do this without Christ, who is an authority over the demonic, you are now introducing yourself to a realm where every one of those people, persons, however you wanna put it, every one of them have more authority than you do. And this is, it's interesting how this is pushed in the world, right? Anybody remember the exorcist? There's like a new one coming out. I'm like, ah, I can't even watch the trailer, right? But I, I remember watching the old one, and it put a fear in me of, the, of the, the demonic. And what was really amazing was the part of the fear came when the priest comes and tries to exorcise the demon. Remember what happens? The demon rises up and destroys the, the, the priest. So then I thought, oh man, all this stuff that's, you know, about God being bigger, so now it's just a big war between, you know, there's good and there's evil and they're fighting it out and sometimes good prevails and sometimes evil prevails. That is not at all what the Bible teaches about spiritual authority. And so people go into that, one, it opens them up to the spiritual realm, they begin to entertain it. I remember having dreams when I was a kid, I would I would wake up in the middle of the night in tremendous fear and there'd be a woman, some kind of, you know, image of a woman she wasn't physical but she was there I could see her and she would just stand there and there was this massive evil that just I could feel it and it terrified me absolutely terrified me and so I remember after I got saved that happened again once guess what I did when it showed up I said you don't get to do this anymore I rebuke you in the name of Jesus poof and she was gone right wasn't a person I wasn't wasn't a woman it was a demon right Here's something fascinating, though. Years and years later, my brother said, hey, Dave, and he, I've never told him the story. He said, hey, Dave, um, you ever had any weird things happen, like, you know, dreams that seem real? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, you ever had, like, he goes, the other night I had this thing happen, and he goes, terrified me. I woke up, and there was a woman standing at the end of my bed. I said, here's what you need to do about that, <laughs> right? And I talked to him about his relationship with the Lord and about taking authority and go down that road. But my point is, is when you get into that, if, whether you like it or not, sometimes whether you even choose to or not, the demonic is gonna bridge the gap to you. Some of that can come through brokenness in your family. You know, we talk about generational curses. All that is, is generational agreements. Your father did this, your father's father did this, and it falls to you because you don't know you have authority. So we're gonna get into that as we kind of wrap it up. But again, Saul, Saul's case, it's, it's helpful to understand that these disembodied spirits in that case was a real person. But that's not how it normally works, so keep that in mind. So here's the last thing about spirit beings. Um, you and I are spirits. First Thessalonians says, "Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely." There's a part of you, It says, "And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." So there's an interesting thing I'm going to get into in just a second, but there's a, a quote I gave you guys a couple of weeks ago from Emma Stark, who wrote "Prophetic Warrior. She said, you are not a physical being looking for a spiritual experience. Rather, you are a spirit having a temporary physical experience. But how many of us think that way? Because you get distracted. You got to do things. You got to go to work. You got to raise your kids. You got to, all these things happen. If you're not careful, you begin to buy into the myth or the lie that you are a natural being looking for a spiritual experience rather than the other way around. But if you think of yourself as spirit, it connects you because, again, this is when you give your life to Jesus, the Bible says we come alive in our spirit. Our spirit was dead in our trespasses, but now it's alive to Jesus. And so now we can connect to God spirit by spirit. We talked a lot about that last week. This is an interesting phrase. This is from C.S. Lewis, who probably, he wasn't a cessationist. In other words, he didn't believe that all the supernatural was done away with, but he also didn't talk a whole lot about his experiences but he mentions this in his, in his book, Mere Christianity. I just want to read it to you. It says, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. There's such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So this is just Pure intellect, this guy's like just pure intellectual context. And he goes on, he says, if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it and to suggest the real thing. Where does hope come from? Why is it that we don't think we're going to die? Because we're not. We'll die physically, naturally, but we're not going to die, you know, eternally. So let's talk about spirit places. Hear, hear the phrase spiritual places. And remember I mentioned Daniel and the messenger. This is Daniel 10. And so the story is Daniel's praying. He prays and he fasts for 21 days. And then he's wondering like why, why am I not getting an answer because normally he hears from God very quickly. The messenger comes and he says, Hey Daniel, I was, I, I was launched the, first, the, the moment you started praying but it turns out I got in a battle with the prince of Persia, right? And he said, and I was, I was stuck there um, until Michael, the archangel, came to help me. So there, you're telling this story, in this picture, you're seeing a story of international intrigue, things happening in nations, right? This is the nation's fighting other nations and battles and, and, and destiny and prophecy and all these things happen. And in the midst of this, a man begins to pray, a man begins to connect to the spiritual world, and something begins to happen in the heavenlies, right? In heavenly places, there's battles going on that he was completely unaware of. But it was still happening, right? So there's another passage. I'm going to put this one up here and read it. This is Second Kings. This is one of my, one of the, my most favorite pictures of this. And uh, this is the prophet. He says, so he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. What was he asking? He cannot see into the spirit world the way I can see into it. Right? His connection with God. And so he prays that. And Elisha prayed. And then the Bible says, then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. Like he didn't open his natural eyes. He opened his spiritual eyes. And he said, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. They were there the whole time. So let me just walk you through this scenario and tell me if this doesn't resonate with you. I'm struggling with something. I'm like, Lord, it feels like the circumstances are overwhelming. It feels like the, the forces that are coming against me are greater than anything else. They're greater than, you know, my, my perseverance. They're so much greater than me And God's up like, are they greater than me? I don't want to talk about that right now. I just want to tell you about my circumstances. (laughs) Right, And so rather than just settle as believers, because this was the old covenant reality, new covenant reality, the Bible said he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters, uh, slaves and free. doesn't matter. He's pouring out his spirit. If you are open to the spirit of God moving in your life, you can see into the spirit realm. And I've shared this so many times. There's so many things I've seen with spiritual eyes that are hard to explain. And you cannot have that conversation with everybody. The Bible says the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit. Why? Because they're spiritual, and he is natural. So if you want to move into this and see how this all works, at some point you're going to have to say, Lord, would you open my eyes? And, that, and the way we begin that in the New Covenant is through, a, through the ministry of, of uh, salvation, receiving salvation from the Lord. So the New Testament talks about this in so many different ways. It's almost completely expected for it to happen starting literally in Matthew, the story, we always talk about the story of Christmas. Go back and read the story of Christmas, especially as we're getting close to it, and watch how many supernatural things happen on a regular basis. Dreams that would move families from one country to another. I mean, angels appearing, declaring the glory of the Lord. Just so many crazy things happen in the story of Christmas, and we turn that into a Christmas tree, and you get presents, <laughs> right? How did we miss, how did we Ah, drives crazy. Okay, so Ephesians 1.3. The New Testament talks about heavenly places, but the word places doesn't exist in the ri- original language. The word is heavenlies. So with that in mind, let me read you Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ or in the heavenlies in Christ. Something about when I come into Christ, right? When I do that, I also come into the heavenly. So there's something about this place called the heavenlies. And it's interesting, this passage, there's five other places that talk about heavenly places in Ephesians alone. And it's really interesting, this passage has the word blessed or blessing three times in the passage. I wonder what that's about. What is a blessing biblically? It's a self-contained beneficial force that could transmit to another. God's saying there's something about when you're open to the heavenlies, when you come into the heavenlies in Christ, that there is blessing upon him. And because of that, he can transfer that and there becomes blessing on you. So you see this happen all over scripture. Um, But let me talk about one in, in 2 Corinthians. This is Paul and he talks about the third heavens. If you read this, you're like, he's just an old, you know, it's an archaic man who's just mythology and all this stuff. Maybe, but maybe not. 2 Corinthians 12, 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. That word means snatched away. Like he was sitting there one day, maybe praying, maybe he was meditating, reading his his Bible. I don't know. But the Bible says all of a sudden he was snatched from where he was and put into the third heavens, right? So what's the first heaven? Atmosphere surrounding the earth, where the birds fly, where the clouds are. This is what people understood in his time as the heavens. The second heaven is that of the stars past the earth out into the distance. And the third heaven is the place where God dwells, where the throne of God was, and spiritual beings exist. And the Bible says he was snatched into that place. It goes on, it says, and I know how such a man, he's talking about himself in the third person, which is weird, but it's, it's a literary, literary thing. He says, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. And what he's saying is, I don't know if I was physically taken to that place or in my spirit went to that place and my body stayed here. He goes, I don't know how that happened. I just know it happened. And then he said this. He said, um, I was caught up into the paradise and I heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Secrets, mystery, right? And so people look at that and go, well, that's a little bit weird. But has God ever told you something not to share, to some, share with someone else? We literally just talked about often when when God moves by his spirit, he'll drop a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or or, or something about a person in your heart, and you're not supposed to do anything with it except pray for them. Never tell a soul. I was sharing, I'm like, I think we're going to be surprised we're going to get to heaven, and God's going to point out, and he goes, I want you to look at all the people who had impact in your life, and you never even knew it that I would move on a person to pray for you. I would drop a word in their heart to pray for you. Some people that you've never known, pray for that guy in Dothan, Alabama. He needs help, right? <laughs> that happened, I think that happens so much more often than we know. So here's another picture of Stephen, Acts 7.55. It says, being full of the Holy Spirit, and I love how this is connected. So often we see this, full of the Holy Spirit is connected to the spiritual realm and how we operate in it. It says, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens, the heavenlies, opened up and the Son of Man standing in the right, at the right hand of God. What did he see? God let Stephen see something that was... that was. Uh, Transcendent, trying to make sure I get the the word right. He saw something because he's about to die, give his life up for the gospel. Is it worth it to lay your life down for an idea? Is he right? Is he wrong? And God says, I'm gonna show you where you're you're about to come into. It just blows Stephen's mind. And and, and it was such a powerful experience, Stephen dying, having seen the heavenlies. It changed his countenance and who he was so much. and And the way he died blew Paul's mind, who was not a believer yet, but it wouldn't go away until he had his own encounter with Jesus. This vision that Stephen had impacted the Apostle Paul in ways we're only going to know when we get there ourselves. So what about spiritual warfare? We talked about that in Daniel and some other places. So this is just what what realm, the word realm means, because it's going to come into play. A region, a sphere, a domain within which anything occurs, prevails, or dominates. It can be natural, it can be spiritual, it can be real or imaginary. Lord of the Rings, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, Harry Potter. <laughs> some of these, like I said before, are allegories, a story, a poem, or a picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. But some of them are just imaginary. In case you were wondering about those two, Harry Potter. <laughs> right? The the The... the C.S. Lewis and the Lord of the Rings, both of those were very spiritual men who were trying to take a natural story and paint a picture of God, right? It's amazing. But there are spiritual battles that occur in these places. Ephesians six twelve. 12. I How many of you guys recognize the scripture? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. How many times have you been so mad at somebody or your government or your spouse, right? Or your kids, right? But it This is what it says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So here's the picture God's trying to paint for us. The battle is not in the natural, even if the battle is in the natural, right? Let me tell you, it's a great story. We we had friends and uh, their kids, every year they would go back to school very spiritual family, prophetic, I mean, just connected to the spirit in big ways. Their kids would go back to school and they would come home and be mean, especially to the mom. <clears throat> and, and the dad recognized this was happening. He said, usually take about two weeks to adjust and he'd get them straightened out. He's like, hey guys, you can't do that. I know, you know, things are transition, all these things. And so he just, he just, he recognized it was happening, but just attributed it to being natural. And one day he said, he watched it happen and the Lord spoke to him and said, you don't, have, you don't have to deal with this. That's a spiritual thing that's occurring. It's the spirit of the world. They've been living with you guys in the summer, connected to authority and love and all the good things that a healthy whole family brings. And he said, you don't have to do that because it's a spiritual thing. They go out, the spirit of the world gets old. You know, all kinds of these things, rulers and all this stuff happening, ideologies and all these things occurring. And they come back home with that all over them. So he said, Lord, what do I do? He said, take authority as a father. So he said, I walked out of the door, walked on the back porch, and just did that. I took authority in the spirit, and he said, and I went back in, and he said, within a day, everything was back to normal. Usually it took two weeks. So you still have to deal with it sometimes in the natural. Another one of my favorite stories, uh, you're talking about practical spiritual things. We talked about that last week. He was he was uh, fathering two Boys, teenage boys, and they were what teenage boys can be. And he said, um, he came in, one of them was crying, and he said, what happened? And the one crying wouldn't say, and the other one said he tripped, which he knew was a lie. <laughs> right? So he said, he said to him, tell me what happened. And he said, no, oh, that's exactly what happened. They would not give up, and the other one wouldn't say. And he said, he told him, if you don't tell me, I'm going to go and pray and ask the Lord what happened. And his oldest son called his bluff. Fine. He'll tell you the same thing. So my friend said, uh-oh. <laughs> so he went into the other room and he said, Lord, I may have spoke too soon. I might have been presumptuous, but would you help me please? And he said, as soon as he said that, God gave him a vision of exactly what happened between the two boys just a few minutes earlier. So he said, i walked walk back in the room. And he said, so I prayed, and this is what the Lord said. And he said, both of them, he said, one quit crying and the other one's eyes got big as saucers. So think about how that would affect your parenting. Like, don't mess with me. God's on my side, right? <laughs> right. God's on their side too. They were just... You see the point though? I mean, it's, it's super practical and it's so amazing how this works, but the battle is not in the natural. So you see, there's this incredible thing about us as human beings able to bridge the gap between the natural and the spiritual. Um, this is 1 Corinthians 15, and it seems a little bit weird, but, but just hear me out on this. It says the first man was of the dust of the earth. So it's talking about Adam in the comparison with Jesus. It says the second man is of heaven. One is dust, natural. One is from heavenly places, right? As was the earthly man, so are those of the earth. Your your flesh gives birth to flesh, born of the flesh. And then he says, uh, uh, let's see. And, as is the heavenly man, so also are there those from the heaven, remember spirit gives birth the spirit, and he says, and just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and that we, we we go down to read this, and it's it 's the scripture that we share at funerals. Why? Because the fleshly person is lying in the casket there that that natural aspect of it of us stopped being. And I remember the first time I experienced that as a teenager, really understood it. It was a a former girlfriend had passed away. I went to the funeral and she was full of life. And I remember she's there and I put my hand and it was cold. And I said, I don't understand. And this image hit me in, in my head. And I wasn't a Christian at the time. And I realized that's the house and she doesn't live there anymore. It was a beautiful allegory that helped me understand, which led me, ultimately helped me understand spiritual things and become a, a believer eventually. I still had to repent of my sins, of course, but I, it opened the door. And so that's the truth of it. We Natural man, this flesh is not going to inherit. The Bible says we're going to be given an incorruptible body like Jesus had. But Remember Jesus, after the resurrection, he still, they can see him. He tells them don't touch him at first, but then again, he's not afraid because he tells Thomas to put his finger in his side. But he would be standing there one second and not there the second. He would move through walls. Like that's the Marvel Universe. Not the DC Universe because that's awful. But the Marvel Universe, right? That's the one I grew up reading comic books from. But, But that's a picture. Those are allegories. Superman was written by two Jewish men and it was talking about the Messiah of the Jewish religion. Why do you think he's such a Boy Scout? Right? And then, of course, we get, what is it, the boys where our superheroes are... Worse than us, flawed in, in terrible, terrible ways, right? So it's, it's, it's interesting how God goes after this. And Jesus talks about this bridging the gap when, when he talks about the disciples' prayer. When the disciples came and said, Lord, you pray amazingly well. We're not good at it. Will you teach us how to do it? So it wasn't the Lord's prayer, like we call it. It was the disciples' prayer. He was teaching them how to pray. And this is one of the phrases. Our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your domain come. And then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, he said, in the heavenly places, God is in charge in every form and every fashion. Everyone is obedient to the word of the Lord. Everybody glorifies him, all those things. And then in the natural world, the image has faded away because of sin. But you and I as believers, we get to come back into this image. And then the prayer that we pray is, Lord, help us operate in the same way that you did because we were learning from Jesus as disciples, not just his character, but also his competencies. Jesus expected his disciples not just to be honorable and have integrity and all the good qualities of a believer. He expected them to heal the sick and raise the dead and do all kinds of things that we just push aside and say, that was for their time, it's not for ours. How convenient for us, right? But what if God's saying, I want to call you to something bigger? One, I'm in for that because that's an adventure, right? Right? We shared that story or that word uh, somebody had this morning during worship about the people of God not being a laughingstock, not being a reproach. Why? Because so often we declare God and there's no proof, there's no evidence, there's no substance to what we're saying. It's just one idea, ideology, or worldview fighting another one. But Jesus came and he demonstrated the kingdom. Look at this, Matthew 9, 6. This is amazing. He says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, there's that word again, on earth to forgive sins. He'd been going about healing the sick, doing all kinds of amazing things. And he says to one guy, and the Pharisees caught it, he told him, he said, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, nobody gets to forgive sin unless they're God. And Jesus is like, yep. That's the Dave Hale paraphrase of that scripture, right? Listen to what he said so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, he speaks to the guy who's sick, he says, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. Listen to the next verse. And he got up and went home. There's so much in that tiny little verse, right? Verse 8, but when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God who had given such authority to men. Same thing happened with Paul and Peter and other disciples. They spoke with authority. They moved with authority. Um, they're, they're, I mean, think about Peter walking on water. Like, is, did that really happen or did it not? Jesus did it. Peter does it. What about raising the dead? Jesus did it. Peter did it. Paul did it. Right? Is that available to us today? It's a really good question. I think we need to ask. So, what about spiritual authority? This is kind of where we're wrapping it up. This is the power or ability to do something. It's given by conferred or conferred upon or derived from a higher authority. Our spiritual authority is delegated authority, right? So think about this. This is Mark 3. It comes from Our authority comes from Jesus who had authority from the Father. He said he appointed 12 that they might be with him, be with him. In other words, learn of him, walk with him, you know, get what he's trying to show them. And it goes on and says that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. In other words, he said, I'm giving you, I am conferring to you an authority as a believer that when you go into the heavenlies, you have my authority, not yours. If it's just you, the demons are going to jump all over you and it's going to be over. But if it's mine, you have authority over them. So Power is demonstrated. Power and authority, not the same thing. Authority is is, is delegated, but power is a demonstration of the authority, right? This is uh, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're gonna be witnesses. You're going to go out and do what I did, say what I say. So how do you have authority in heavenly places? Kingdom authority means having dominion, the ability or power to do something based on a higher power Or to multiply. The Bible is clear that you are given kingdom authority through Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's crystal clear that this is true. But kingdom authority only comes through a relationship with the one who has ultimate authority. A friend of mine, Greg, says it this way: we have the authority of the one we're submitted to. Are you submitted to Christ? So look at the story. I'm going to wrap it up with this this story in the book of Acts. Acts 19.11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Does that strike you as weird at all? Like we've been talking about eagerly desiring the gifts. The Bible speaks to eagerly desiring the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you grew up a cessationist, you have a problem with the Scripture, right? But it says, this is what fascinates me. If it just said desire spiritual gifts, how many of you guys know desire is a Powerful word, that's not what it says. It says, eagerly desire the gifts. People, uh, people shared stories about, you know, I, I discovered that I wasn't actually eager, I was open to it. That's not eagerly, that's not even desiring them, right? Op- I'm open to it. Like, who are you to be open to God doing something like how stupid is that, right? But we, we say stuff like that. So, listen to this He says, Now, God worked unusual miracles. If he just said miracles, I would have been impressed. But unusual, miracle by its nature is unusual. You see what I'm saying here? God is hes making a point. He goes on, So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Un, that, that wasn't even the unusual miracles, right? That was happening before. It goes on. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves. Hear that phrase? Took it upon themselves, right? He, to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Another version says, we adjure you by the name that Paul preaches. And I'm like, that is just how people would do it who don't know God. Can you see the arrogance? Can you see the look at me? Can you see the, I'm going to take charge, I've got this, right? Which was classic, right, of not knowing God. And the Bible says that these guys at least understood there was a spiritual world because they were Jews, and the Old Testament taught this. But look at what happens. The story goes on. (laughs) They speak to this guy, this demonic spirit in this guy, and the evil spirit, verse 15, says, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? That's the question this morning. The demonic world, the world that brings disease, the world that brings animosity, the world that stirs up unrest, the world that stirs up hate, racism, every evil thing that you can think of. That world does it know you? I love that it didn't just say, Jesus I know, but who are you? You notice this. Jesus I know and Paul I know. So here's a demon going, I steer clear of that guy named Paul. Right? Why? Because that guy has authority. I went to pray. Again, just stories that happened, so many you guys have heard me tell some of these stories before. Some of them are crazy, and it's, it's still true. I went to pray for a guy who was demonized because he tried to kill his wife with a knife. So these guys were, were uh, uh, Christians, and so they knew the guy was troubled. And uh, rather than call the police and come and get him and take him away and do the natural thing, they recognized the battle they were fighting was a spiritual battle, not just a natural one. So when I got there, they had been praying, and he was stuck in the kitchen which is weird. I don't understand why, but he was stuck in the kitchen and that's where he had the knife and he's waiting and I walk in the door and, and I look at him and I can tell instantly this is demonic and he comes at me and I just point my finger at him and tell you, stop in the name of Jesus. Not my name. And I have authority over you. Not because I'm awesome or perfect or because I'm living a sinless, perfect life. I haven't been, but also know my authority doesn't come from that. It comes from Jesus, delegated authority. Because he lives inside of me, the spirit of God lives inside of me. And I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he hit the floor. The demon came out of him and he wakes up and he says, what am I doing here? And they tell him he just tried to kill his wife and he would not believe them. Another situation, we had a teenager, a couple of teenagers in our youth group. This was in Longview, Texas. Um, I get a call from one of the moms. She said, can you come and pray for my son? He was at school today. Something happened. Um, and he, he fell into a fetal position, started crying and weeping and shaking. He has been shaking uncontrollably since this morning. Um, that, it was the afternoon by that time. She said, they called me and I went there and they said, we're going to ha- have him transferred to the mental health place. And she said, no, no, no. I have my own psychiatrist. So I'm going to take him to. So she grabbed him, put him in the car and took him to Jesus. Right, so she said, "I've been praying. I can't seem to get break break breakthrough. Can you help?" I walk in. I come over there. I walk, and again, nothing. Power. All I know is I have authority, not because of me, right? And so I understand spiritual authority not because I'm amazing, but because I'm not. That's the whole point. And I go in in the room, and he's and he's shaking, and he starts growling at me. And so we start. We lay hands on him and, and we, we see, I mean, it's demonic and every, he's stronger than he should be. It's all these crazy things. We pray, the demon comes off him, he relaxes and he falls down. And I ask him, I said, Where? what, what happened? What's going on? He, he said, well, I was at my mom's house. I mean, I was at my grandmother's house and, and it turns out his grandmother was into witchcraft. And he said, I was staying over the night. And I looked in the, the closet. I was afraid something was going to come out of the closet and get me. And sure enough, when, I, when the lights went out, the closet door opened. And this big hairy thing came out. And, and he said his name was Destroyer. This is like a 10, 12-year-old kid. And he said, and, and he was hairy. Looked like um, Monsters, Inc., right? <laughs> so it wasn't colorful. It was just hairy. So I said, Destroyer, huh? So I go back and I look at my Bible again because it fascinated me. Guess what the Hebrew word for demon meant? Destroyer. How does this kid speak Hebrew, right? Another time I was in Mexico and this lady kept coming to me and, and saying stuff to me in English and I, and I finally realized it was not natural, it was spiritual and I rebuked her in Jesus' name and she, she stopped talking and I was talking to the missionary friend who brought us there and I said, hey, you know, this happened. He goes, dude, she doesn't speak English. Not anymore, she doesn't. But she did. One of the biggest ones that happened, and, and I'll, I'll close my message with this, and you probably won't believe it, and that's okay. But it happened. We're praying for a guy downtown Tyler, Texas. We were doing an outreach for young people at the Boys and Girls Club, which was an old church right in the center of the city. It was being remodeled, so the only place we had was the auditorium. We're praying for some people. I end up praying for this guy. And as I pray for him, he tries to choke me. And and this is the short version. And as I'm praying for him, I noticed something was happening. And I looked over, and his feet came out from under him. And he levitated right in the middle of the auditorium, right there in the front. And it took six guys to grab him and push him to the ground, right? We push him to the ground. Some lady, we realize it's demonic. Some lady comes over, and she pours this oil on his head. And it steams like, you know, it was like right out of a horror movie. And I, I was praying for him, and the Lord says to me, he said, you're losing the meeting. And I looked around, and all these people in the room were staring at what just happened. And I'm like, well, I would too, <laughs> right? So I'm like, Lord, what do I do? And he gave me a scripture in Mark. I go up, and I start, I don't even know what the scripture says, and I flip it open. And, and it, as I'm, I said, I'm going to read a scripture to you guys. And as I read the scripture, the sa- it was a demonic encounter, and the same thing was happening to that person as I read this scripture. He was mimicking it. And so we rebuked this kid eventually, or not the kid, but the demon inside the kid. Again, the kid turned out he was homeless. He'd opened himself up to trauma, all kinds of stuff. But what happened, when, when, when God got a hold of the scenario, there was a more authority and more power that took control. Years went by, I stopped telling the story. Because I, I'm like, did that even really happen? I make that up in my head. It's so unbelievable. Years later, I'm doing youth ministry in Longview, Texas. One of the kids who was in that meeting showed up. He's an adult now. His dad was one of the ones who helped push the guy to the ground. And I tell the story in the meeting, strangely enough, and didn't know Josh was there. And, and I finish up, and I'm like, I'm never telling that story again. I was just so convinced. I'm like, that's so crazy. I know it happened, but it's so unbelievable when I tell the story. Nobody's, I'm, I don't have any, you know, I'm losing all my credibility. And after the meeting, Josh came up and he goes, I remember that. He said, that day changed my life forever because I finally understood there was a spiritual realm. My dad had been teaching me this my whole life. He said, now I knew it for sure. And he goes, I watched as in the spirit world, he said, you guys, my dad, you, and some of the other ministers, took authority in heavenly places because Jesus had delegated authority to you. And no matter how powerful the demonic is, it had to submit to the name of Jesus. So do the demons know you? Do the heavenly places know you? In our city, do the whatever the Prince of Dothan looks like. I don't know. And you can find a demon in every teacup. Don't do that. It's not helpful, right? But this spiritual world is real. And sometimes God lets us see things. So th- this story happened in, in Tyler, Texas. Lady comes up to me and she says, and she, very prophetic, seeing in the spirit. She said, I see, I see the devil sitting at a desk and, he's, and demons lined up as far as you can see, and he's handing out assignments against the church. What are we going to do, Dave? What are we going to do? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to go have Chinese food. She was losing her ever-loving mind. You know why? She had let what she saw in the Spirit overwhelm truth in Scripture in her heart and where her authority had come from. And she was terrified. And I just said, the Bible says no weapon that's formed against me As God's people, will prosper. Right? Every thought comes into captivity. I just started naming scriptures. Greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. I'm like, do you believe that? She said, yeah. I said, then let's go get Chinese food. Doesn't mean we were unaware as a leadership team. But what we did is we just simply said, no. And you can say that in your home. You can say this any place where you have authority. You need to take spiritual authority, especially you guys as parents. You don't don't go after your kids for it. You still have to deal with kids. Obviously, there's behavior issues. I get it. But you go after it in the spirit, and it changes in the natural. And so we're going to be leaning into this. Um, Karen's going to come up and just just close our our meeting. But we're going to be leaning into this as we go into the future. I want to challenge you. Lord, I want to be open to this. Don't trust me. Don't even trust the stories I'm telling. Go back to Scripture and see whether it's true. Amen? here amen
0: you guys amen thanks for that message um we had some time this morning praying and um we're going to have some things come up on the screen if any of those things resonate with you that you would like to have ministry for that you would like to be prayed for our ministry team I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come up for the morning and we're going to pray for you or if you need prayer for anything else um I love just this thing of, like, recognizing that there is a spiritual warfare and there is a spiritual battle. And some of you may have been in a battle for a while. So we want to pray for you. And so um, that's available for you this morning as well. Um, The other thing that I love that Jesus told his disciples when he sent them out two by two, and they came back rejoicing of all the things that they had done. And he said, oh, even the demons are subject to us. And he said, don't rejoice over that. Because that's something I've given you. That's some authority that I gave you for the kingdom to expand. He said, rejoice because your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So this morning, remember, one of our words was about focus. So this morning, what is your focus on? Is your God bigger than what's going on around you and in the circumstances? And so I love Pat and Lawrence. We're going to pray for them this morning. Lawrence goes to start some treatment this week. And... Um, Lawrence is like, we're going to do what we can. We're going to work with the doctors, but we're trusting God to do what we cannot do. Ultimately, we are trusting the Lord. So this morning, in your circumstance, in your scenario, if any of these resonate with you, we'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we will look forward to seeing you in community groups throughout the week, and we will see you next Sunday.